Hurricane season is upon us, and this is the time of year when we generally expect natural disasters. But the truth is, disasters happen throughout the year and throughout the country, from wildfires and earthquakes to flash floods and extreme snowstorms. We prepare for them, we react to them, and we recover from them. But what is their impact on the housing market? Hello, and welcome to the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast. I'm Steve Guggenmoss. And I'm Corey Aber, and today we're going to talk about the impact of disasters on the housing market. And that impact is far-reaching, from insurance requirements, building codes and regulations, and even different federal, state, and local subsidy programs. Joining us in the studio today is Gina Thompson, Senior Director of Asset Management here at Freddie Mac Multifamily. Gina leads a team that focuses on loan and property-level information from financials to the physical property. This team is also the first team to work with servicers following our natural disasters to understand what impact there is, if any, at the property level. Welcome to the podcast, Gina. Thanks, Steve. So maybe just to get started, we can speak a little bit about um, what, what your role is here at Freddie Mac. Okay, so I am in the Asset Management and Operations Group, and uh, my team specifically works on pre-securitization information, uh, as well as post-securitization. We're working on collecting financial information and property-level information to make sure the assets are performing as we expect them to. So how does that tie in specifically to uh, natural disasters? I imagine that's a big point of uh, information gathering and, and outreach. It is. And because our team often works with every servicer all the time to collect information, we are kind of the natural group to work on natural disasters. Um, As soon as a natural disaster is known, either that it's coming or that it has hit, everybody wants to know what our exposure is and what has specifically happened. So we're the team who works with the servicers to get that information. Okay, and uh, where do you typically start as a, as a natural disaster occurs? The first thing we're looking at is all the news media coverage that everyone else does. Depending on the disaster, we're looking for more specific information. For example, the earthquakes that just happened earlier this year, it's the USGS, the United States Geological Services website. They have great information about all the earthquakes that have happened, and they have more specifically a shake map, which gives details about the intensity that each county, uh, how they felt the earthquake. So that helped us really narrow down. You know, when you heard the news coverage, people as as far away as uh, Las Vegas felt the impact of the earthquake, but we weren't needing to survey the Las Vegas properties. We were able to uh, narrow in our population a lot more. Um, our first point, though, is FEMA's website. And we're looking to see when FEMA declares a specific disaster and when they declare individual assistance for certain counties. And that helps us know we need to go to those properties in those counties. But for a lot of the disasters, um, FEMA can't react as quickly as the disaster that just happened because they've got to collect data too and, and understand the damage. So in the earthquake, we're using other sources in addition to FEMA. Um, the um, NOAA National Ocean, Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration website 
uh, helps us know about the hurricanes that are coming and what the coverage is expected to be. And we we just keep digging to find whatever information we can to narrow down our population so we can map our exposure to what has happened. So when when you see where the disasters are coming, I mean, what's your next step? Like, what do we what do you do? You know, internally to and and how quickly can you find out? You know, disaster area impact down to the properties. Yeah. So we are as soon as everyone knows that either it's coming, like in the case of a hurricane, or that um, it has happened in the case of an earthquake, we are immediately. Do, using those sources to find out what our small circle is or our smallest circle, and we immediately apply that to our map of properties. And we're looking, mostly we drive everything off the county. So if the county was impacted, then we're looking at all the properties in that county. And we have a, a great perspective that we are master servicer on some of the loans, we're guarantor on some loans, we're still holding the loans, they're not yet securitized, they're in our retained portfolio. So we have lots of different views that we need to take on our portfolios and what our exposure is going to be. And then we reach out to the servicers to start collecting information, getting information. Um, Obviously, our first concern and the first thing we're telling borrowers is tenant safety is most is paramount. So tenant safety and securing the property is their first job. And talking to their lender is probably not top of mind if they're dealing with this right there. Um, but at the same time, we have investors who are asking lots of questions and they have rights to get information. So it's a delicate balance. Uh, for us, it's certainly a delicate balance for our servicers as to how often they're reaching out to the borrowers. But hopefully within the first week or so after a disaster, we're able to identify the big the big what ifs. So is are the buildings still standing? Is there two feet of water or is there eight feet of water. Um, what what has happened? Is there Are there downed trees and we've got some roofs that maybe are leaking or we've got a whole building that lost its roof? Um, that's what really we're looking for in the first pass. And it sounds like, so you have uh, lots of connections into the servicer and then of course there's the borrower behind that and you mentioned the tenants as well. How do, um, do, do you get down to the borrower level in some cases? We don't typically reach out to the borrower. That's um, The servicer is their day-to-day -day interface. So they are the ones who already have the relationship and they're reaching out to the borrower. If the situation warrants uh, that the damage to the property is uh, extensive, then we may start getting involved with the borrower and working with the borrower to uh, determine the next plan. Okay. And uh I imagine things like insurance become important at that point, or is it is it at that point, or what are the considerations? Yeah, so insurance is certainly a factor. We want to confirm that they had the required coverage that we have. Um, you know, we're going to ask questions about business continuity and understand what coverage uh, the borrower has in place, because that's his first option of what to do next. Um, you know, if FEMA has declared, they may have other remedies available there. Um, their, their local municipality might give them other options. We're going to try to understand all the options available to the borrower, and then um, we'll work on that situation individually. So what, what happens if there is damage and, and there is a real impact to the property and to the tenants? So the borrower is responsible for coming up with the plan, but we're certainly there to work with them. Um, we 
you know, in 2017, when we had that trio of hurricanes, uh, Harvey, Irma, and Maria, um, we really were able, Freddie Mac was able to take a look at our products and figure out how we could better be in a position to respond to natural disasters. So we tweaked a little bit the, some of the programs like Value Add, um, the Premier Lease Up program, so that we and the subordination uh, lending program to be able to quickly react with borrowers to give them additional money if that's the case, um, or help them refinance their loan into a loan that will allow them to rebuild. Um, we certainly don't, you know, our borrower, our borrowers are our partners at the end of the day. So we don't want to lose them because of a natural peril that they had no part of, obviously. So we want to work with them to um, make sure that they retain good, affordable housing for the tenants. That makes sense. So, and uh, it, it sounds like um, there's a lot of different considerations, and um, as as you think about those borrowers, are there things that you want them to remember? I guess as as these things happen. The first thing I would say to borrowers is, tenant safety and property protection is first. So um, that that is their natural focus, and it should be. And then second, you need to communicate with your lender. So um, they're under you know their loan documents make reference to what to do if they need to make repairs and that kind of thing. Um, but that shouldn't be on their mind right away. Just the communication is what's needed. So um, if borrowers just reach out to the servicer and let them know what has happened, either we had no damage, we had some damage, or here's what we're looking at and we'll get an aerial view tomorrow and we'll know more. Um, that That is really helpful to give us an insight into what's happened at the property. So how does that play out uh, you know, over time? So the, the next steps, after, after we determine that there's some damage, that, that tenants are, are affected, um, you know, what happens over the next couple of weeks? So the borrower is usually working with an adjuster to get inspection. Then they're trying to figure out what needs to be done. And they're getting bids. And they're then delivering their plan of what they're going to do to the servicer. And the servicer is coming to us in certain circumstances um, to either for us to weigh in or just to be aware. And um, hopefully then the borrower is moving forward, making the repairs that are needed and everything's back to normal as quickly as possible. So, you know, what happened, you know, maybe we'll, we'll uh, just pick a, a recent uh, disaster to understand this better. So what happened uh, during and after Hurricane Harvey? Harvey was really unique. It was the first one where we were master servicer and we still had our retained portfolio. Um, so we needed to work with the borrowers quickly in different roles it also was unique because it happened right towards the end of August, so that's right before Labor Day, and uh, many tenants were um, relocated. They couldn't be in their property because it was so flooded, so they couldn't make payments. They couldn't get payments to the office. The borrowers couldn't get to the property, so their payments that are due at the first of the month, now it's Labor Day and um, three-day weekend, and they can't get to make payments. So the borrowers didn't have funds in a lot of cases to make payments as well. Um, just a timing situation in some cases. So we quickly were able to pull together all of our business partners and put in place a 90-day uh, forbearance offering for borrowers 
certain criteria that needed that applied, but it gave the borrowers a peace of mind. Whether they had to take it or not, it at least immediately could give them them that space to not worry about their making their September payment. Um, and so, you know, I think we hear a lot about the the big ones and the, and the hurricanes, but you know, there are more disasters than, than just those. Uh, you know, what are some of the other ones that, that we see uh, you know, affecting properties and, and affecting borrowers? The wildfires, for example, in California last year um, impacted several of our properties. It was my first real foray into wildfires. I didn't know that California, um, they have a website that tracks all wildfires every day. You can go in and see where there are active fires and what's being done to the specifics of how many engines they have there, what they're doing with water, tanks, and so forth. Very much educational for me. Um, we had to really dig into the wildfires to understand what zip codes were being evacuated. So now those are the zip codes we're concerned about. Um, we have had a lot of flooding this year in the central part of the U.S. And so we're watching, uh, you know, again, NOAA has a lot of information about current floods, uh, current flooding and flood levels in major, well, in the whole country. So we can use that information to kind of hone in on properties that were or areas that we're concerned about. Um, FEMA has been declaring a lot of counties in the central part of the U.S. because of the flooding. Just recently, last week, I think they declared some more counties in Missouri for flooding that happened three months ago. So, um, we continue to actively pursue that information. Does, does a disaster have to be formally, you know, you just mentioned FEMA declaring it. Does it have to be formally declared before we, uh, before Freddie Mac can offer forbearance or assistance to? We One of our criteria for the forbearance is that FEMA has declared a um, disaster. They have certain criteria for that. Um, that's not to say that we wouldn't... Um, have a conversation about it, but in every case that we've needed to offer forbearance, it has been a disaster that's been declared by FEMA. Are there other key criteria that are considered? So FEMA has a couple, they declare a disaster and they offer individual assistance or public assistance. The public assistance is, in some cases, um, to the county that had to open up all the libraries as shelters or had to do road repairs, that kind of thing. So we don't key off of the public assistance. We really look to where they're declaring individual assistance. And that is, there are properties in that county that are significantly impacted, and that helps us know. So that's really the other criteria that we are focusing in on. Okay. And then as you collect all this information, uh, where do you distribute this information? So we have a lot of internal stakeholders who are interested. Um, Our capital markets group is is top on that list um, as they are trying to securitize different properties and work with investors to get information out um, to keep loans in securitization, keep moving forward. Um, our um, partners in asset management in our surveillance group are very interested because they are going to um, continue to assess the risk at given properties, and this will help them. Um, obviously, our counterparts in production and underwriting are helping us to make sure that we have the best information. They're giving, they're sharing what they've learned, we're sharing what we've learned, um, and how we could possibly partner with the borrower to help his situation. 
So, Gina, you mentioned earlier that there are sort of you know, different cases, right, when a, when a loan is in the retained portfolio versus when it's securitized. Um, how does that affect uh, or does it affect uh, the way you treat those properties? It does affect because if it's been securitized and we're not the master servicer, we don't have uh, necessarily the first say or any say um, in some cases. So we have a Freddie Mac servicing standard that we expect all loans to be uh, handled the same way whether it belongs to Freddie Mac or not. And that's what we work with our master servicers to ensure is happening. So in the case of Harvey that I was talking about earlier, we had to quickly get on board with the other master servicers to make sure that we were all handling it the same way, the way we would want to. Um, when we just had retained portfolio loans years ago, that um, it was easy. It was all our decision. But now we have to make sure that we're all beating the same drum, so to speak, and we're offering the same programs and forbearance, for example. So is the timing to offer that, uh, does it take longer or do you just corral more people in, in the same short yeah, time Yeah, so it was um, a lot of quick phone calls, a lot of corralling. Um, uh, it was the right thing to do, so it was easy to get people on board, but still we had to make it official and get everybody on board and get legal to help us write it up. And um, now that all of that is in place, we're better able to react quicker to each of the disasters that happen now. It is part of our servicing standard now, so everybody's on board. Um, it was... There were some crazy days there, you know, and we had no personal impact. We did have servicers that were that were located in the pathways. We all, always seem to. And, you know, they're calling us from their mother's uncle's house because that's where they are located because they can't get to their own house. So um, it's easy. Corralling is easy for us because we're on dry land and we can make it happen for them. And the master servicers, they're familiar with the servicing standard now. And so as these things happen, there's it's become fairly routine. Is that yes. accurate? Yes, yeah. it is. And and I think we're getting better and better at the responses. And um, it is becoming much more a process that everyone is just used to. And so we don't have to think too hard when it happens. We just move into execution. I guess that's sort of a good thing in that you're prepared, but a bad thing in that it happens so often. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, so what is the timing then? Does it is, is it uh, you know a day or two, or does it take longer to get everybody? So in within two or three days, we usually have a good map of our exposure um, and worst case scenario numbers. Um, within the first week to two weeks, we definitely have. 70% of that exposure figured out. So we know, and and at that point, we're just trying to classify big buckets. So is it major damage? Is it minor damage? Is it no damage? We're not even detailing what the major damage is. Major damage, and we don't have, we have fairly loose definitions on those, um, but you know, major damage is they've lost three of their seven buildings. Minor damage is they have some downed trees and need to replace one roof. Um, and obviously, no damage is the best case. Um, but we're trying to understand what our buckets or what our categories of concern are. And then after that two-week period, we can really focus in on, all right, we we were working with 1,000 properties. Now we're down to 20 that we're really concerned about. What is that going to mean for us? 
And as those properties that need the uh, another piece of the timeline is the 90 days forbearance, mm-hmm. for those that need that, then at the end of the 90 days, do they? Um, how does payback for that period if they took that forbearance happen? So the forbearance um, comes into play at the end of the loan term. They they come back and and make the payments then. Um, during that 90 days, they don't need to pay anything. And then after the 90 days, the payments return uh, to normal um, from their point of view. Okay. So in the case when when uh, a loan is in uh, securitization. The investor is being made whole, even if we're offering uh, Absolutely. forbearance? Yes. The investors are still being made whole, um, and the investors are aware of what's going on. We're advising them every step of the way what's happening at different properties and um, and keeping them updated until the property is operating normally again. All right. So, Gina, what do you have your eye on right now? Well, right now, this morning, I did check NOAA, and there were a couple yellow X's. If, if you're not familiar with that website, then the yellow X's means there's a 40 to 60% chance that the disturbance is going to spin in. Um, so far, um, this season, this hurricane season's been light so far. Um, that's exciting. Um, we're... We're still concerned about the flooding in the central part of the U.S. Like I said, there were just some more counties added in Missouri last week, um, and we'll just continue to watch that. All right. Well, Gina, this has been really helpful. Certainly, I think that we all see the headlines, but we don't see how that translates into day-to-day activities here at Freddie Mac and and, uh, and in related entities. So thanks so much for being here. Uh, We've learned a lot. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast. If you're interested in more, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud.